You're listening to the Really Useful Podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeusoft.com. My name is Christian Corley and with me is Ben Stegner and this week we are taking a look at tips and tricks that you can use when buying a new iPhone and setting it up when you receive it and it's mainly for new iPhones but there's probably some things here that you can use for second-hand iPhones, used iPhones that you've bought or um, or been given. Uh, ben Stegner, how are you? I am doing great. It is uh, fall in full swing here and I can't believe we're turning the clocks back in a couple of weeks too. That's Always a weird time, but doing well. Oh, here in the UK, we're changing the clocks, I believe, in a few days, five days' time. Yeah, I know you guys do it a little bit before us. Yeah. I don't know why that is. I don't know why everyone can't be in sync, especially yeah, these days. I mean, hard. I can, yeah, but these these days have kind of, you know, the whole quote-unquote global village and globalization and working so closely. And now with the extra element of... Uh, teams and zoom and whatever whatever it seems now more than ever we need to be more in synchronization with things like changing the clocks doesn't it yeah i thought that too especially because time zones were made because beforehand time was different everywhere like you had cities that were 30 minutes or an hour apart and their yeah. time was like 10 minutes off yeah so you think that it would make sense that now that everything like most clocks and stuff is all digitized you think it would make more sense to just have the whole world do it at once, but not even the whole world does daylight saving, and then, yeah, it's, it's com a complete mess. So, have you got a new iPhone, Ben? I do, yes. I got the iPhone uh, 13 Pro a couple weeks ago. I had an iPhone uh, iPhone 11 before that, and I was thinking about upgrading because I bought that one in the middle of a cycle, so okay. I wanted to take advantage of this one. So, yeah. So, was this an automatic upgrade as part of the, your, your existing relationship with uh, a, a, a cell network? No, so I actually use a carrier here in the U.S. called Mint Mobile, which is a MVNO. So um, as far as I know, they don't have any kind of deal like that. Um, I bought my last phone. My, my first iPhone that I had was an iPhone 11 that I bought last summer. Mm -hmm. And then this phone, I bought. I both bought them right from Apple. So I, I don't buy a phone through my carrier. So here in the U.K., so it's quite often that you would buy... Uh, a phone for kind of maybe say sixty pounds, so about hundred dollars, or maybe less than that, and then you'll pay like your monthly um, bill, and a, a part of that would also go towards paying for the phone. And this would be a few years ago, it'd be like a six month or twelve month contract. These days, they're like they can be two year or three year contracts, um, and often are increasingly uh, the 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 um, networks or carriers are giving you the opportunity to upgrade early when a new phone comes out which is kind of good but also it keeps you locked into that contract for longer and longer and longer personally speaking i prefer to be able to just buy a phone and use it wherever i want to use it so about three or four years ago i stopped stopped using that whole system just started buying phones and when i say buying phones i don't mean i've been out and bought a load of phones what i'm saying is now i will buy a phone and then i will find the best network to get a data, um, you know, calls 
on mobile um, and text message using the mobile internet and then I'll stick with them for maybe 12 months or whatever if that's their contract deal but you know I'm not paying anything on top of that and I'm getting the benefit of like maybe 20 gigabytes of data per month which is quite useful that's about what I do too yeah I've been buying my phone outright pretty much since I've been buying my own smartphones I want to say um and I, it's definitely common here too for people to I don't even think you have to pay anything down most of the time. Um, you know, you go to your carrier and you want to get a new phone and then you just pay for it over 12 or 24 months. Um, I, when I was on a big carrier, my family was on sprint, but I wasn't like, I was younger. So I wasn't in charge of paying for it or whatever. I think in the old days here, like subsidized phones used to be more common where when you did that 24 month plan and paid for your phone every month, it was cheaper in the long run. Mm -hmm. But I think nowadays, unless there's some kind of special deal, I think most of the time they're just basically splitting the cost into 24 or 12 months. So it's not a huge savings, but yeah, I definitely buy phones up front too. And I've always bought unlocked ever since I was on sprint and had a phone locked to them. I learned quickly that I didn't like that. So you, you've upgraded from an iPhone 11 to an iPhone 13. Was there, I mean, what was behind that? Was there, Did you decide that the, the iPhone 11 wasn't quite up to it? Was there a particular sign that said to you, I need a new phone? This was probably not a super necessary upgrade, to be honest. Part of it was that um, I got the iPhone 11 in summer of 2020. Yeah, my, my years are all mixed up. And so when this year when iPhone 13 came out, that phone would be two years old. I tend to upgrade my phone every two years. So it was just kind of like that arbitrary mark that I've set for getting a new phone every two years. Um, also, the iPhone 11 had a less uh, fancy display. Uh, I still used a LCD display and not an OLED display. And then iPhone 13 Pro has the 120 hertz refresh rate, which... I've been appreciating more since I got a higher refresh rate monitor for my computer. So I was thinking I'd rather than wait a year for another phone to come out and get that one. I think I'd rather upgrade now and have the nicer screen and everything. So mm. it wasn't super necessary, but I was able to trade my current phone in and get a pretty good amount back too. So I was going to say there are various reasons why one might upgrade their phone, whether it's an iPhone or any other phone. We have an article on make use of about this by uh, Dana Mallorca and, uh, list of um, reasons why you might decide it's time to upgrade your phone. Number one, you never have space on your phone. And obviously with an iPhone, that's something that you can't really do much about. You can't expand the storage. Uh, number two, you can't download the latest iOS software. I think that really happens with very old iPhones, though, doesn't it? It's not something that would happen with like a two-year-old iPhone. Yep, I'm writing an article about that right now, actually, about how long iPhones last. Apple's actually getting even better at this, where... Um, so iPhone or iOS 15 is being offered now, but if you're still on iOS 14, they're actually still offering uh, security updates for that. Oh, that's good. I didn't realize this, but apparently they're also they've been quietly offering um, small security updates for iOS 12, which would be like the iPhone 5s and the iPhone 6, the old the the oldest devices that can't quite run the newest version. Oh, apparently they've still been patching those for years, which I didn't know. So that's nice too. I should imagine that's a corporate consideration. Because there's going to be a lot of companies out there who have a budget for new devices every year, but maybe have been seeing their budgets being cut, particularly maybe in uh, government and public services and taxpayer-funded areas, and maybe they're um, supporting those a little bit better with security updates. Yeah, it could be. I mean, those devices are fairly old. And the other stride they've been making in this, I guess, is that um, it was it's notable that the, so the iPhone 6S line, that's the first... 
iPhone to have seven versions supported. So those shipped with iOS nine and they support iOS 15. Uh, and I know like years ago, and this has happened on Android too. Um, there's been issues where when the latest version comes out, the oldest phones that are still compatible with it, you know, you install the latest version and it's mm. horrible. Like it's super slow and doesn't work that well. I feel like Apple's kind of solved that lately. Like I think it's been several years since there's been a, uh, a like a big story where, you know, don't install the newest version on your old device because it doesn't run well or whatever. Yeah. So that they seem to have kind of fixed that issue too. Your battery drains too fast. That's another sign. It's time to upgrade. And you can't use the latest charges and accessories. Fixing the phone will be more expensive than buying a new one. That's really something that would more occur to something like a cracked screen. I'm going to come to cracked screens in a moment. And you can't get uh, adequate mobile network coverage with your older phone. And maybe it just doesn't work. Now, cracked screens. Uh, do you know what? I have never seen more cracked screens on phones than I've seen on iPhones. Yeah, I've noticed that what too. What is I that? A lot of. I'm not sure. I I feel like I don't see it quite as often these days. But I remember like when I was in high school, like when the iPhone was getting big, um, and like early college. I remember seeing a lot of people, uh, having cracked screens. Like yeah. it was. I don't know. I don't know. If people just didn't put a case on their phone. Like they wanted to show it off because it was the new thing or whatever. But yeah, it's 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 kind of sad to see it so frequently. Yeah, it is. It's um, my dad has an iPhone. And he um, actually broke a few days ago, and there was a problem with the charger, so it wasn't charging, and also the screen had broken, and the screen was already cracked before that. He managed to get the whole thing fixed for about £50, which is uh, it's about $40, dollars $40, which isn't too bad. I could have done it for him, but I would have, um, I mean, I wouldn't have charged him, but it would have cost me a lot more to do it for him. It would have probably take, because he got it done in about an hour as well, um, maybe two hours. It would have taken me half a day. To sort that yeah, out. that's not that's not bad so at that's all. Not bad. I am amazed at how quickly they can make those fixes for something that looks terrible. Yeah, I have a friend who uh, his phone he accidentally had in his pocket when he went into the ocean and thought it was toast, and then he took it to a place and they were able to same thing fix it up. Like he was able to get all his files off of it. Like so, you know, it's surprising what those technicians can do when you think a device is toast. My mum, while we're on the topic, um, is using an old um, Nexus 5, which used to be mine. And I'm just checking, because we, we do have a guide on Make Use Of about replacing phone screens. And for that, yeah, when I originally wrote that, it was using, oh yeah, there, the photos there, the cost of replacing your phone screen um, section and possibly a few of the steps. Yeah, it is that same Nexus 5. I replaced the screen on it before I gave it to my mum, because uh, I had a cracked screen. Um, not an iPhone, but um, the principles are uh, the same across the board. Basically, you open the phone, you remove the display, you replace the adhesive, you fit the new display and ensure the cable is correctly connected. It's a bit more difficult with uh, modern iPhones to do, however. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so we've been talking about those kind of key flags that let you know that, yeah, it is time to upgrade your phone. We're talking about buying phones before. Did you manage to get a deal or save any money for buying your iPhone? Um, I didn't get any kind of major deal. Um, I I didn't. I started trading on my phone earlier. I, that was a. I said the wrong thing. I sold my phone to a friend, my old one. Right. Yeah. So I did that. But I didn't get any kind of deal. I I when I got the phone, I, there was a bunch of deals on the site, uh, on Apple's page about 
you know, if you trade in your phone to Verizon, you get a bunch of money back or buy one, get one free or whatever. But I'm really happy with Mint. I'm, I don't want to be on those big carriers and pay five times as much as I am right now for phone service. So even if I would have got a deal with them, I would be paying way more money for phone service over the years. So I didn't do anything like that. No, I do. It's curious to see what they offer because, you know, the iPhone's not really known for going on sale. But I think most of those deals are more just ways to entice you to sign up for that carrier service. It's not really a, you know, a deal deal where you're getting a huge discount for nothing. You um, put together a list of ways to save money when upgrading. Yeah, I did. I Like I said, because there aren't that many like straight up deals, you kind of have to get creative. But if you're not dead set on getting the latest phone, there's a couple of good ways. So um, covering them briefly, the number the biggest way is not to buy the latest and best model. So um, Apple's been a little bit better at this lately where there's a couple different models. So if you are if you want to get the newest phone, you can get like the iPhone 13 mini. So it's not quite as expensive, it's still expensive, but uh, it's a little bit cheaper than the the super high-end model. Um, or even just get an older phone. Um, if you know someone who maybe is looking to upgrade their phone, theirs is two years old, um, like we were talking about earlier, because iPhones are being supported for a good long time now, you know, a two-year-old phone's not too bad. You'll still get years of support from it. Um, and because phones are so incrementally getting new features now, it's not like you're going to be missing out on that much. We've written other articles before about where to find refurbished phones. So Apple sells them for iPhone, but there's a lot of other places to buy a phone too. And most of those are certified. So it's not just, you know, some random guy in his garage replacing it. Trading in and selling, I mentioned that. If you know someone that might want to buy an old phone, you can probably make more money than trading it into Apple. And there's also sites like Mac Me and Offer where you can uh, – it's not selling it like you would on eBay where someone has to buy it. It's like they quote you a price and you ship it to them and they pay you that price for sure. So you don't have to worry about negotiating the sale. And that's called Mac Me and Offer. Yeah, it's part Great of name. Uh, Mac of All Trades. Yeah, <laughs> Mac of All Trades is a good third-party site for buying uh, for buying a Mac from them because they do refurbished, certified refurbished and all that. But Mac Me and Offer is their, their, their site for trading in your old device to them, yeah. Okay, and what what other options are there? Uh, one of the so a couple other small things like waiting for the right time to buy, I think, is a good idea to save money. You won't necessarily save money on a discount, but you'll get more for your money. Um, so because Apple is pretty predictable about releasing a new iPhone around September every year, um, you want if you want to get a new iPhone, you want to try to avoid buying it like in June or July, because when Apple releases a new phone. Uh, the old model goes down in price a yeah. little bit, so you can pay less for that device. Or if you want the latest phone, you're going to pay the same price that you would have paid in June, but you're getting a phone that's brand new instead of 10 months old. Um, so that's kind of a smart way to do that. And then there's also payment plans in, in times which can save you. Um, this is a separate article I wrote about the iPhone upgrade plan, which yeah. could save you money. Um it depends on if you'd rather pay for your phone outright, which I usually recommend, or if you want to pay for it over time. If you want to do that, the iPhone upgrade program is a decent way to do it as opposed to a carrier. So you've chosen a new iPhone, you've bought your new iPhone, you've already got your old iPhone. What are the options when it comes to backing up data and transferring data from old phone to new phone? Is it, is it a nice, easy pleasant gentle experience or, or is it a bit of a grind i would say as long as your phone is 
modern enough, the old device, it's pretty easy. Um, so starting with iOS 12.4, which would be several years old now, uh, there's a feature called Quick Start, which makes it pretty easy to transfer all your stuff over. So all it really involves is you, you turn both devices on, you bring them close together, and then it'll say, do you want to transfer this phone to your new phone? Okay. And then you scan a little pattern with the camera, and then it does everything for you, basically. Um, you have to, you know, you have to confirm your passcode and sign back into your Apple ID and some stuff like that, but it'll move over your apps. It'll move over your contacts and all that stuff. Um, it takes a while to redownload the apps from the app store and everything, but it's much more convenient than having to, you know, sit there and look at the apps on your old phone and redownload them. That's a huge hassle. So that's the best way to do it. Um, you can also restore from a backup. So if you can't use quick start for some reason, you can back up your old phone to iCloud or iTunes and then on your new phone, restore that backup, which is more or less the same thing. There might be a couple things you have to set up manually, but that saves you a lot of time still. So as long as you, uh, your old phone is new enough and you've kept everything up to date on it, it should be pretty easy to get going on your new device. So that's not too different to how it is with Android then, is it? That's right. Yeah. Both pretty similar. Yeah. Hmm, okay. I remember um, transferring Kerry's data from, she, she, she was using hey, that old chestnut, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, Windows Phone before she started using an iPhone. And transferring the data should have been pretty simple, but I ended up having to transfer from Windows Phone to Android and then from Android to iOS to her iPhone. Well, that sounds like a huge pain. It was a huge pain, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it turned out okay in the end, and but I mean, anything that she'd saved in the cloud, I mean, that's just stuck in a OneDrive account that she rarely accesses. So you've got that downside to it when moving from that. And I guess as well, you have that with Android, don't you? you it's the stuff that's on your Android phone that will get synced to an iPhone if you're transferring that way. But um, and then no doubt backed up to iCloud, but. Anything that's, you've, I mean, you still, if you're moving from one to the other, what I'm basically trying to say is you're still kind of tied to that kind of cloud environment, unless you're going to take the time to download your photos and everything, aren't you? Yeah, you are kind of tied to what you use because, you know, you can't really use iCloud on Android, for example. So if you're moving from Android to iPhone, you probably don't already have your stuff in iCloud, yeah. obviously. Um, Connor at, at Make Use, I've wrote a really good article recently about how uh, now is a kind of turning point for picking your ecosystem between Google and Apple um, because it's already kind of hard to move between them and it's probably going to get harder in the future as they both introduce new products. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I moved from Android to iPhone last summer. So I don't know, 18 months ago, 16 months ago. And uh, it wasn't terrible because I, because I have so much of my stuff in Google services. So like my contacts are in Google contacts and then emails in the cloud, obviously that mm -hmm. stuff wasn't really a problem. Um, but like moving WhatsApp from Android to iPhone, I had to, I, I was able to back up my old stuff, but I couldn't import the backup on my iPhone. So I had, to, I had to start over there, basically just back it up and keep it in a file, not have it accessible in my new WhatsApp. So there are definitely bumps, but it's way easier than it used to be. I, mean, I remember even my first couple phones moving from an Android phone to an Android phone was horrendous. Yeah. Like I said, you had to, you had to redownload all your apps manually and, that's why I stopped using Google Authenticator because it was so annoying to move it to a new phone and just yes. little stuff like that. It's way more seamless than it was years ago. I um, I, I mean, even now, I have one item on Google Authenticator on the phone I'm using at the moment, which is kind of an interim phone. Um, 
this is the very heavy Duji S95, which also got a mention in a previous podcast recently because it's very heavy and very kind of rugged. Um, whereas the authenticator on my Sony Xperia, which I'm not using as main phone at the moment because it's running out of space, it's light and tiny, it's nice, but it's running out of space and the battery's dying quite quickly all the time. Um, that's got loads of things on it and the like, transferring them across is just a big headache and I just because I'm using this as an interim phone, I've got a uh, a special phone coming soon, which uh, there'll be a review of. I'm not going to talk about it too much now. Um, oh, okay. Because I'm considering this as an interim phone, I don't really want to spend time transferring all my stuff across to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's it's one of those things where it's, it you have to like mentally prepare yourself to take time yeah. to do it on a Saturday or something where it's just exhausting. And it also the other thing that made makes this a lot easier now is how password managers are so much better integrated with both Android and iOS. Um, Because, well, before password managers, before like fingerprint scanners, when you had to type in your master password every single time to unlock it, that was really awful. Yeah. Um, And then you even had to open up the app, do that, copy and paste. It was a pain. But now they're integrated, so you basically just open the app you want to sign back into on your new phone, tap in the field, and then you can autofill your password. So that's so much faster but most apps you don't have to do that when i was setting up this new phone a couple weeks ago half the apps are just you just open it up and it's like you you're on your old phone just transfers perfectly that's cool you mentioned earlier android and having used android and you've got an iphone in 2020 and that was an iphone 11 is that right so why why did you switch from Android to iPhone? What what happened there, and how easy was that to do? Yeah, it's kind of a funny question because I, I years ago I was very I don't know if anti Apple is the right word, but I like wasn't at all tempted by Apple products. I thought it was annoying how so many people used an iPhone and didn't recognize how great Android was. Um, I still like a lot of a, a lot about Android. Um, I would say the short version is well, a it was curiosity. Um, because I have been the Android and iPhone deputy editor at the site for a couple of years. Uh, you know, I, I had a familiarity with iPhone, yeah. but I didn't use it every day and have that like intimate, like off the top of my head, I know where stuff in the settings menu is and all that. So I kind of wanted to make it my day-to-day device just to test, um, and kind of see what I was missing, if you will. Um, the second factor was I used to, I used Google Fi phone service for many years and for a while it didn't work at all with iPhone. It only worked with a set amount of phones. Um, and even when they opened it up to work with iPhone and other phones, it wasn't all, all the features didn't work like the network carrier switching. Um, so when I switched to Mint Mobile, like I talked about, that was in like April of last year, I switched to Mint Mobile and they work fine with iPhone. So that was kind of a, it opened up the door for me to try an iPhone too, mm-hmm. because my carrier wasn't a hurdle anymore. Um, and then the third big thing I think was that I was kind of getting disappointed with pixel phones. Um, I was a huge fan of the Nexus line. I think we've talked about this before. You mentioned the Nexus five. I loved that phone. Um, and I think when Google moved to the pixel, it kind of lost that magic of like having a, a mid range phone with top tier specs, which is what the Nexus line kind of felt like for the most part. So I, I don't know, the Pixel phones just had a lot of problems that annoyed me. Like the camera took forever to open a lot of the time or it would crash. Um, the battery, I thought, always got worse every year with every phone I had. Um, the fingerprint scanner would always misread my finger, just stuff like that, that I didn't feel like I was using a premium phone. And I wasn't really interested in trying a different Android phone because I wanted stock Android on a Pixel to get updates right away and all that. Yeah. So 
I thought, no, try an iPhone and that's how the switch happened. As far as switching over, I mean, I touched on it earlier. I mean, it wasn't too terrible. I mean, most apps are on both platforms. The one thing that sucks is that all the, the money I've, or not the money I've spent, all the Google rewards credit that I've built up and then spent on paid apps over the years, um, doesn't transfer over. So if there's like a game I bought on Android, I don't have it on iPhone. Um, the biggest thing I miss is texting from my computer. So I use a windows desktop and I used to use, um, pulse SMS on Android, mm-hmm. which had a plan that lets you text from your computer. I miss that a lot because I prefer to text on my keyboard than with my fingers on my phone. Um, just uh, my fingers either way, know, but <laughs> you know I've just mean? discovered voice texting. Well, just voice everything, just the, the entire voice typing thing. I've it's completely uh, sort of avoided me over the years. I've tried it many, many times with things like um, uh, Dragon and other speech to text software, and found it seriously lacking. But just recently on Android, I've started using the uh, microphone option on the built-in keyboard and just saying things, and it's it is really good i mean i've got a bit of an accent you know most i mean i don't sound like hugh grant you know so i don't have like a cut glass english accent i don't have the best english accent i've got a sort of a north yorkshire accent and you know back in the day you'd use something um any of these um speech conversion to text apps full expensive 90 pound software on uh, windows and it would struggle to understand what i was saying but I can just, for instance, I sent a message to my wife while I sat in the car, not driving it at the moment, just about to set off, and I just tapped the microphone up on the uh, the microphone button on the keyboard in my SMS tool on Android, and I said to her, "We are on our way," and it picked it up perfectly. And you know, it's only a short phrase, but I've been using this for all many. I mean. We have a little WhatsApp group, don't we? And a lot of the messages I've been sending recently, I haven't typed them. I've just said them. Uh, I've started drafting articles in WordPress for my uh, retro website, and I'm just saying, I'm speaking the intro, and it just translates almost perfectly. I'm really impressed with how this is working now. Yeah, I, I've actually kind of been doing the same thing. I, I almost never used voice features for typing, and I've been mm. kind of getting into it lately because I... And because I type all day for work, it kind of gets exhausting to type yeah. out a long message on my phone. So I've been doing the same thing. And I find that, I don't know if it's just the way that I speak or like certain words that I say kind of blur together. I almost always, for a longer message, like I say it and then I look through and there's words I have to fix. So it's not yeah. perfect, but it's a lot more convenient than typing up a ton of words when you just want to not have to deal with all that Absolutely. but yeah it, it, it's way better than it used to be yeah. i think I, I've I tried on my desktop though i would like to try that yes I, i'm tried on desktop either. i think it's an idea i um i mean i tried writing a uh, a script with um with dragon is it dragon speech or is it just dragon i forget what it's called i think it was called it was called dragon naturally speaking that's for a while yes. but they might have changed that no that's pretty much what it was called at the time this is back in the xp days and it was just terrible. I managed to get a, possibly a page done, and I had to go, spend a lot of time editing it. And I decided to just type the rest. Whereas with this, as you say, um, with with longer passages, it isn't perfect, but it is so much better than it used to be. And it only takes minor editing to fix it. It's really worth checking out. And yeah, it works on iPhone as well, doesn't it? It's not just limited to Android. They're, they're pretty much they have the same kind of methodology between 
um, punctuation and starting a new line and things like that. Yeah, there's just a microphone icon on the keyboard, and when you tap that, it just starts voice dictation. Another thing that some people do, I don't really do this too often, but I think some people prefer to also do like a voice message. Yes. So not like speech to text, but like instead of typing a message out, they just hit record and yeah. speak whatever, and then it's there. That can be nice too, but it also is harder to like go back and search for if you ever need to do that. So that can be nice if you're like your hands are dirty or you're driving or something. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, we've, we've talked at length about the various ways, um, the various things you should do and what you need to know beforehand as well about upgrading an iPhone. Uh, we looked at uh, methods of um, saving money when you upgrade, uh, using the iPhone upgrade program, and considerations when moving data from an old iPhone to a new iPhone, and, you know, spotting when it's time to upgrade your iPhone. And we've also, accidentally towards the end there, and looked at ways you can upgrade how you actually use your iPhone as well. Yeah, that brings us to the end of this week's really useful podcast. Everything we've discussed in this week's really useful podcast you'll find in the show notes. We'll be back next time for another really useful podcast. Until then, it's goodbye.